the United States of America, home of the brave. A place that is filled with different cultures, diversity, beautiful scenery, a place I call home. But one thing many people may not know about the USA is the artisans, craftsmen, and women, photographers, musicians, creatives, makers of all sorts that come with this beautiful country. Many people tend to buy products from major online retailers that they forget about the make that is happening right here in America. From the Industrial Revolution and even prior to that time period, America has continued to build its economy through makers and there are thousands of them. America has makers that forge steel to make knives and axes, sew skirts, hats, and handbags with materials of all sorts, paint and capture visuals that are forever in your home and carried in your heart share stories through music and writings, make special treats and refreshing beverages, and much more. Join me through the journey through the lives of makers across our country to hear how they get down with their craft. I'm Kristen Vermeule, and this is Makers of the USA. I had no idea Baltimore has such a history of music venues. I mean, I grew up there, and you would have thought I would know this about my home state and the city I hold near and dear to my heart. But hey, this podcast is introducing me to a lot of great makers, so I'm glad I know about this piece of Baltimore now. Also, big thanks to Lone Pine Brewing for introducing me to my next guest as they distribute their craft beer here, and man, the locals in Fells Point love them. Did you know Max's Tap House used to be called Max's on Broadway and was the place to go enjoy music of all sorts, from local bands to major national bands? I still cannot believe No Doubt played here. (laughs) No Doubt is my all-time favorite. It was the place to be and still is the place to be. Ron Furman renovated this wonderful historic building from the ground up. He used a lot of repurposed materials from other historic buildings in Baltimore that were demolished, even bowling alley lanes from a well-known bowling alley in downtown. He has managed and operated Max's on Broadway, which is now Max's Tap House, from the beginning and continues to do so today. Ron gave me a tour of his gigantic facility while I was taking in the historic artifacts and comical signage from previous events Ron had planned throughout his time managing this amazing place. One of the events was a long-distance kayak paddle with the owner of Nacho Mama's, who is known for its hubcap margaritas. I was sipping on a pint of Lone Pine Brewing Dream Team, which was a new beer they launched at the time, and it was fantastic. Ron is a hoot. He has the best Baltimore accent. He shares with me many stories on how he put all the blood, sweat, and tears into his business. And it is a family-run business, which I love. I got to meet his wife, got to meet his daughter, who is amazing. And... Also, I learned about Ron that we share a passion of sailing on catamarans. Ron, you need to go up to Maine and bring your amazing family with you. Now, let's talk craft with Ron Furman with Max's Tap House. All right, everyone, welcome to the Makers of USA podcast, uh, the Maryland series. I'm here with Ron at Max's Tap House. Thank you so much, Ron, for being on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your place. So the, usually the first question I kick off my podcast with is, what is your craft and what inspired you to start it? Um, well, we love beer and we love music and that's how I got in the business. Right. Um, but you, you do more than that though. You're a maker, right? So you kind of built this place from 
like where it was to now. I mean, I mean, it's just a growing space. It's one of the benefits of uh, ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's you, when you die, you chase squirrels for a little while, and then you come in and you know knock down a wall mm. and change the place around a little. Yeah. <laughs> My wife used to complain she'd wake up and the furniture be rearranged. <laughs> So. It's always an ongoing project in this place, huh? Yes, yes. Um, they, they left my own devices. It would be really dangerous. <laughs> so how long have you owned this place? Uh, 35 years. Started when I was 12. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> I wish 12. <laughs> <laughs> and what did it look like? Um, when we took over, it was a, I guess... It's it was a disco. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a a poor excuse for a disco, I guess. But uh, <laughs> that's what it was. Um, but I was always into music. I loved music, and yeah. um, that's what I wanted to do. So I started booking bands, and you know, we went from local bands to regional bands to everybody from Smashing Pumpkins to David Cassidy. Oh my gosh! So it was uh, it was a pretty neat time. And was it just local bands, or did you have, like, nationally known bands come in here? Um, you're probably going to edit that out. Because <laughs> I just said Smashing Pumpkins. No, I know, anyway, I know. Yeah. know. That's why I was like, wait, are you joking? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. No. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Um, ah, let me get comfortable. Hootie and the Blowfish used yeah. to play, like, every third Thursday. Oh, you know? my gosh. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, so many people were on this stage that yeah. I don't think most people have any idea, but you know, uh, no doubt played here. The Goo no Goo Dolls, uh, wow, Richie Havens. Uh, oh my gosh! You know. And are these relationships you had established over the years? Did you have like a booking agent? Like, how did you get these musicians into? Uh, we Maxis? we booked them, yeah. you know, and. Yeah. People said, how'd you get them? I said, you pay for them. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know? true. They make a living, you know, right. by playing out. And, wow. uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was tough because we were limited by our size. And, you know, so when when you can only hold so many people. It, right. It, so, but uh, those were the days, you know. it was. Jeez. It's kind of neat, and uh, I miss it, but uh, I don't. <laughs> it was seven days a week, different show every night. Yeah. And um, I don't think I'd have the energy for it today. I'm sure. Now, did you offer um, food and, of course, I'm imagining beverages, but did, was just it food? Beverages. Just no beverages. Just f- beverages. No food. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We, we didn't have room for a kitchen. Yeah, and so, so was it just the downstairs of the space that was you know, part, that was it. That was it, right? Yes. Okay. Painted black. <laughs> Stage was 10 by 20. Wow. Um, you know, which was kind of funny when you had Tower of Power, you know. Yeah. Which was a huge band, you know. Right. Uh, on that stage. It was, wow. was kind of neat. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, I love small venues because you get so close up and it's just more of a smaller community. It doesn't get super crowded. I mean, did it get really packed here at some point? points where you were kind of like whoa we're kind of over capacity <laughs> never ever did we ever go over capacity <laughs> if the fire marshal's listening um <laughs> you know it was it was rock and roll yes. um but it was also jazz it was all i mean we did all kinds of music right so um 
everybody from uh, Dick Dale, uh, who Jeez. some people remember as the surf guitar player. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Al DiMiola. Mm. Uh, you yeah. Know, so jazz. It was. It was. It was a wild time. Um, and. You know, what was going on here in your surroundings, like at the time when you had this venue, like this music focused venue, was it as populated as it has been lately? Or, you know, how was your local community really? Like, was there a lot of businesses down here at the time? Oh, yeah. I mean, Fells Point, uh, I think uh, we have 44 liquor licensed establishments, which is restaurants and bars and you know, there's retail shops, and it's always been down here. But the community's grown quite a bit, and there's been a lot of development along the water. Right. And then, you know, now we have large businesses, you know, yeah. um, that also populate the area that we didn't have right. back then. Um, it was yeah. mostly smaller, smaller, you know. Mm-hmm. Small mom and pop right. businesses, yeah. And... So what made you decide to pivot, and when did you, to make it a tap house? Uh, I had kids, and I needed to start making a living, because um, I was more of a patron of the arts, and um, the music industry was changing. Yeah. And uh, so it was time to make a change. Um, we weren't getting the big shows that we used to get. The whole industry had changed. Right. And uh, so I woke up one day, and I said... Uh, I called up J.D. Considine, who wrote for uh, the Baltimore Sun and the Rolling Stones, and I said, J.D., I'm done. I'm finished. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. But you can tell everybody that, uh, you know, this was uh, 94, the end of 94. Uh, And I said, uh, you can tell them that the last show, or it was the end of 93, I think, uh, will be January 1st. uh, Oh, my gosh. And that's... and, and. I had no idea really what I was going to do, but, you know, you always go over that friend's house that had, like, the coolest stereo or the best record collection or fish tanks or, you know, uh, a, you know a pool table, big screen TV. Right. And a big screen TV back then was a big deal, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what I figured, you know, we'd do. So we put a fireplace in. We had, you know, it was more of a loungy atmosphere. And, yeah. Uh, and then we had TVs and, you know, uh, I wanted the longest bar in Baltimore and I wanted beer. <laughs> and uh, we always had the beer coolers. You yeah. Know, I always had a real big love of beer. and But we made a 45-foot bar and then somebody told me there was a bar with a 55-foot bar. So we added 10 feet. Um <laughs> And I still think we were short, but, uh, you know, we had the beer. I tried. It didn't matter. Um, and we built our own tap system back then, you know, they didn't have, you couldn't buy a tower that had 24 taps. So we built our own and, uh, I think there was just a few places in the country that had that. Wow. And, uh, it was selling and, uh. You know, we we weren't spending a fortune on advertising like we did with the music business. We didn't right. have to have the staff that we did, and, uh, and and we started making money. And I was like, "Well, this is working. Let's add some more beer taps." Yeah. You know, so we went from twenty four, and then we added sixty eight more, and then we expanded to the second floor, and then we expanded to the sidebar, and right. added that. This and place is huge. 
Just taking a tour of it, I, I got lost. I feel like it's a maze. <laughs> it is a maze. We planned it that way. I, I could tell. So when you were renovating the space, because you just had the first floor, and then you, one day you just decided to tear a wall down, and you're like, okay, here's my new office, and you're like, and you just kept building from there, huh? Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, believe it or not, like upstairs was a rooming house. Wow. You know, and it, it, it had numbers over the doorways, and it was lots of little rooms, so it was really kind of creepy. And <laughs> my staff swore there were ghosts on the third floor. Oh, my goodness. You know, but uh, nobody ever went up there because they were scared. But right. uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, if, if I showed you a picture, this is a podcast, but, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Social media helps with it. <laughs> <laughs> so walk us through your space. So let's start from the bottom floor, work all the way up. And tell us like, a little bit of how you went about renovating it, because I know you like to repurpose uh, materials and such. Yeah. Uh, if, if we can find a use from something uh, that was, we will. Um, yeah. the, uh, the first floor... If you look at the floor presently in the back, that was uh, that's all bowling alley yeah. that came out of the old Southway bowling alley in Federal Hill. The, uh, the the second floor, the floor and the walls all came out of the Seagram's Distillery, uh, the wow. warehouse that was over in Dundalk before they tore it down. What was really neat when we cut the wood, you could actually smell the whiskey in it. Um, <laughs> and you know, it. Uh, it, it was it, it had a great aroma, but uh, now I think it's more more like uh, spilt beer. But uh, <laughs> no, we just in fact for COVID we wanted everybody when they came back to find a new Max's, so we redid all the floors and the walls and everything, so it's fresh and wow. clean. And uh, and you opened up the space too. Yeah, we took a lot of stuff out that had. You know, things we had built and used in the past, we wanted we wanted a whole new change. And we're still working on that. So as mm-hmm. you come in, you will constantly see things evolving well, and changing as we as we move forward. Yeah, definitely. And even like the um, is it the third floor where you have the the Belgium room and where you uh, have well, your not inventory? the third floor. That's on the. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, I'm <laughs> see, already you're, you're already lost. So. <laughs> Well, we have a room where we we have a lot of beer that we store, and right. so we have one room that's devoted strictly to Belgian beers that we keep on stock, right. uh, in stock, and uh, you know we we've got quite a few beers. Yeah, a lot so. that are probably not really readily available anymore because you've probably had them for quite a while and have quite a history too. We, we have a lot of vertical of. Uh, Many of the beers that we have, um, yeah. stuff that we stashed, beers that would keep. I think I forgot to turn my I turned my phone <laughs> off, but not my my. It's uh, all good. My new watch <laughs> that my wife gave me for my birthday. Oh. <laughs> so, I know you're very passionate about beer and food and just community. Um, now, I know you touched on giving back. So how have you given back to the community? Um, I know you've done a lot of festivals and such, and I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. Well, for many years, we helped uh, Carver School for the Arts. We've, my wife and I both volunteered there. Um, I helped put on the Carver Foundation uh, extravaganza. Uh, we brought uh, chefs in from different restaurants that uh, worked with the kids, and uh, at the end of the year, they produced 
a big spread with each restaurant. Each each chef would help develop a menu with them. Oh wow! That they put out, and it it turned out to be a pretty big affair. That's great. Um, we were pretty proud of it, and we did that for about eight years, and and we've done. Uh, you know, we've been involved with the Kinetic Sculpture Race with the Visionary Arts Museum. We've uh, supported the police in some of their PAL programs. I used to do golf tournaments uh, nice. for that to raise money. Um, and both my wife and I have been very active in the community. Uh, my wife sits on the board for Main Street. Um, oh, wow. And uh, we, we stay involved. Yeah, so that's great. You have though. to. It's very important that... Uh, you got to give back to your community. Oh, yeah. And I know you touched on some um, events that you've done in the past, especially the one, it was a kayaking trip that you did from here to... <laughs> no, it was from, uh, uh, it was called Battle of the Paddles. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of... I, I, so Scunny from Nacho Mamas, may he rest in peace, uh, uh, he was doing a fundraiser where he would paddle to Ocean City. And one of my employees bought a kayak and called me up and said, Hey, Ron, I hear you got a kayak. Well, I think I had been on it twice. And uh, he said, Let's challenge Scunny to a kayak race. So I called Scunny, and Scunny said, uh, I'm not doing that again, but I'll leave from somewhere else. <laughs> he said, Going through. Uh, up up the bay and down to Ocean City was really, it was too much. I'm sure. So <laughs> we did it for Believe in Tomorrow, which provides housing for uh, families that have kids that are going through, you know, serious uh, diseases. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so we decided to leave from Quantico, which uh, meant coming down the Potomac and up the bay. And uh, it was wow. 100, 166 miles and... Ron tore his rotator the second day. But, uh, you know, it, uh, I had four months to train for it. I was in the best shape of my life. And uh, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was good. But we raised a lot of money. And, you know, I, I think it was a great thing that we did. So Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, that's kind of just some of the things we do. And, yeah. But please, nobody listening to this challenge me to anything. I'm, I'm, I'm old now. And I'm done. <laughs> Maybe a wheelchair race. I don't know. (laughs) I think the one thing people are going to challenge you for is how many beers you have here. It's crazy. Um, When I walked in to seeing all the taps and just walking to the rooms of where you keep um, some of your inventory, it's remarkable. I've never seen anything like it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, it it is a plumbing nightmare, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it's uh, 107 beers on tap and uh, eight beer engines. Nice. So, uh, and and there's you know two other rooms, so those each have 24 taps. Mm-hmm. Also, wow, so jeez, that's a, lot a lot of taps. Yeah. And do you just focus on local beer, or do you go outside of um, local beers? You just you know. No, we focus on beer. beer. Uh, all yeah. all different kinds of beer. Beer from all over the world. Um, ciders, you know. Right. Um, yeah, and so I know you guys organize events that surround specific types of beers. Can you um, share with us a little bit more about the events you have going on? Uh, well, coming up uh, next week is the Hop Fest, and then after that, uh, Oktoberfest will happen in September, and then Black Friday, and then, of course, our Belgian Beer Fest. Traditionally, we used to do the Sour Beer Fest 
the day after the Belgian Beer Festival mm. uh, on that Monday because that was President's Day weekend. Yeah. But this year we're moving it to uh, the summertime. So Nice. Nice. Big move, I'm sure. You guys have a well, lot the, going on The here. Sour Beer Fest has become as as big as any other festival that we right. do. Because I mean, sours are just growing tremendously in popularity. And I know um, you have a lot of beer here. Do you guys tend to focus on just local? Do you go outside um, of the United States, stay within? I'm just curious. We have beers from all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the rare obscure beers i mean everything so to speak but but uh during covid uh you know when that started you know we really tried to focus on a lot of our local breweries Mm -hmm. and you know to support them to help them out right yeah you have to i mean i think all small businesses at the time it was just challenging and very unknown so it's and it's still challenging it's still very very challenging right Um, and how was COVID impacting your business? What did you have to do in terms of kind of keeping up with the challenges? It was, well, let me say this. You don't wake up and um, open the book, How to Survive a Pandemic. Oh, yeah. Um, it wasn't like part of the training when I got into this business. Well, then again, there was no training when I got into this business. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, it... Um, you know, there were some things that we needed to figure out real fast, like um, how can we change our menu to make it more carryout friendly so it holds better and something that, you know, we could package neatly and easily um, for customers. So I went to a friend in Hampstead uh, that had a fantastic product, Pit Beef Outlaw Barbecue, and I said, Steve, I need help. And he 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 just i almost i you know i start crying when i think about it but yeah. he just jumped in and helped me with everything That's and awesome. um we brought in a smoker and we started smoking our own meats uh we you know came up with new recipes we repackaged everything so it it was in very um environmentally friendly packaging yeah um and we made it easy we put in a window so i could protect my employees from from COVID, right. um, and they could serve out the window. Yeah. And um, once we worked things out with the city, we built parklets for people to, you know, so they could dine outside. Yeah. And, um, and then eventually we opened a storefront next door um, so we could serve out of there. That's great. And, uh, but it was a lot of changes. Yeah. Um, we for bought sure. packaging, uh, a twisty can that we could sell the draft beer in to, to go. Oh, my goodness. Um, we started doing beer slushies. <laughs> that was a big hit. Yeah. And we're still doing them. Yeah. Um, but we had to change. You right. know, it was uh, uh, overnight. We had to put all the 2,000-plus beers that we had in stock and put them up on a database and create a way for people to order them over the web. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, and... <laughs> We did that in weeks, not days, or not months. Um, and uh, it was a big undertaking. And, you yeah. know, I really, I, I got to, you know, hand it to my daughter and, and Josh and everybody else that, you know, jumped in and, right. you know, sat up and did inventory all night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and to get it on there, it was it was a lot of work. Yeah. And I know that this seems to be a family, you know, ran business. And it seems like your daughter came in at the right time because I know she... Um, I guess 
the position that she was in, you know, with her job, she, I guess, lost it from the pandemic and now is here to support oh, you. She had, she had her own company. She right, right. An events company. And yeah. That's, that's not the business you want to start right before a pandemic. I know. Uh, but yeah. uh, she called us up and she said, hey, mom, dad, let me open the business back up. Let me help you out. Yeah. Because uh, we had lost a lot of staff. Some staff moved away. Some quit. Um, we lost our entire kitchen staff. They, Jeez. You know, from what I understand, every one of them got a new job outside the business. So it was really hard getting started back back up. Right. But uh, it's hard work. That's what being in business for yourself is. Exactly. You wear many hats. And it seems like the one, the biggest hat I think that you wear, and, you know, just after getting a tour of this facility and getting to know you a little bit more, is really just renovating this thing and making it yours and also at the same time repurposing materials from other venues and like you know places that have been around for a while in the Baltimore area do you find that you had a personal connection to some of the um, buildings and such that you repurpose the material to put into your building you know everything I look at kind of has a soul you know it's like you know the the wood in this room you know, um, some of it came out of the old Bagby building. Um, the, this table was built, um, you know, I'm looking at it. I can't, I can't even remember where it came from, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, you know, it it's, it's probably was either the deck of a, a roof or, or from warehousing. It might have, uh, you know, who knows where it came from. But right. it's old, you know, 150-year-old. Yeah. You know, Georgia pine probably and Right. You know, it's uh it's heart beautiful. pine. And it's uh you know, it's it's kinda neat to reuse this stuff. So often we would see see this in, in landfills or right. burn piles and yep. you know, it's uh it's it's just it's important to reuse the stuff and Yeah. And the, my favorite is the bus that you have downstairs and the um was it like an an ice like chest door or something that you said that was oh, that came out of or? uh the basement of Danny's on Charles Street, which was kind of a it was a restaurant lounge, yeah you know from the sixties and uh, a friend of mine renovated the building, and that was the refrigerator door you know <laughs> uh, an old wooden door you know right. and that's that's now a a a utility closet you yeah know? Uh, yeah, so the uh you know everything. There, there's a railing that came from the Coca-Cola plant over on Federal Hill that was renovated. Uh, that's now I think Philip Seafood uses it. Oh wow! Um, but it was one of the tracks, the rails mm-hmm. that uh, you know for the conveyor systems. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Wow, that's so interesting. And it seems like you collect a lot of antiques, like the one that holds the cards that you thought was, <laughs> you didn't know what it was. <laughs> tell, tell the audience what it was when you found out. <laughs> yeah, that, that was something, uh, I don't know, it was a card holder from a funeral parlor or something. And I was like, okay, well, it looked cool. <laughs> exactly. I think it's really cool. And it's nice that um, you repurposed the signs and like the p- posters and all that you've had from your events, like throughout your entire facility it really is what makes the spot the spot you know and I'm yeah not- the other the other day I took uh well some people think that the area around my house is a junkyard but I think of it as a trove of treasures and but I did take some scrap steel to the 
junkyard and or to the scrapyard and uh i came home and my wife looked at the trailer and she said you're supposed to be getting rid of stuff not bringing things home but i saw uh, there was a uh, harley davison sitting outside and i asked the guy how much for the harley davison he gave me a price and so i bought it and it's uh it'll soon be down here at the bar but yeah. It's an old arcade Harley Davidson that you sit on and you Oh my gosh. You know, it used to have a screen in the front and a computer and you put a quarter <laughs> on it and you know, race down the street. Now it's sitting in my by my back door. But <laughs> you know, it's, That's awesome. You just collect like very unique, like off the beaten path things, which I think is really cool. You gotta have a hobby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it keeps me off the streets. <laughs> so why um a really yeah. Why is this place called Max's? Uh, my grandfather's name was Max. Oh, really? And, you know, originally it was Max's on Broadway. Ron's on Broadway didn't sound very good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and my grandfather was an entrepreneur. He was uh, in the auto parts industry. Uh, and uh, he started working as a peddler out of a station wagon huh. and uh, built a pretty big company at one time. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, loved him to death. But... Uh, yeah, and, and it's funny because when I was 18, I worked in a bar, and he used to tell me it was not, not a respectable job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I think he'd be proud of me, though, today. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And did you grow up in Baltimore? Yes, yes. Nice. Born and raised. Nice. And um, so your entire family also resides in Baltimore still to this day? To this day, yes. Wow. So, you know, why you know, start this business here in Maryland? Why keep it in Baltimore? I mean, you could have, you could have left, you know, and went outside of Maryland and the Baltimore area. Why keep it? You know, I I did open a second place one time um, across from Camden Yards. And uh, I thought it was going to be more like Max's, but I found uh, that uh, people that are going to the ball game are looking to eat and go to the ball game. And when there's no ball game, there's no people. And um, it, it was some tough years. Um, and I decided after that that I was going to have one place and do it really good. Mm-hmm. And that's all I needed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my I always tell people my ego opened the second place, not my brains. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you got to try something. Uh, so uh, I've, I've worn a lot of hats. I... Um, at one time, we had a tobacco shop next door, which is now where the store is and and the bar. But it was more than just a tobacco shop. It was, you know, we had lots of collectibles, beer collectibles, tobacco and ephemera, a lot right. of the cool posters that you see that are still around here, some of the stuff you saw up in the office. Yeah. So when you came in, there was just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a neat hangout. And, and then times changed and... Uh, I, I guess it was 2015. I started a uh, a candle company, I which I have a patent on a design that we recycled the beer bottles and wow. we made some real smart packaging and yeah, um, and it was all about recycling, giving back, um, and and trying to you know um, employ people mm-hmm. um, and um, and and give money to in fact believe in tomorrow was the charity that we gave money to and uh you know we in the end i think we were in about 500 retailers across north america wow um 
but it was tough. It was tough to make a living. Um, I'm sure. What was your candle making company called? Max's Wax House. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The logo looked similar to the Max's logo, except it had a candle instead of a beer glass. Nice. And, um, you know, next thing you you know, I I went to a show in uh, Atlanta and it it just exploded. You know, we had a really great booth. Uh, in fact, we won best booth, um, and uh, we had more orders than we knew what to do with. And uh, well, we knew what to do with them <laughs> more than we could produce, but <laughs> but we got them out, and uh, you know it it grew. And uh, next thing you know, I'm in the manufacturing business, right? And uh, we came out with another product called uh, Herbs in a Bottle, which was oh. little herb gardens. But uh, I got back in September and. Uh, 2019 from a trade show we had had the best show we had had all year wow and uh i came back and i looked at my business partner and i said charlie i have been to trade shows for the past three years right um i don't spend time with the family i don't spend time taking care of myself um you know i'm done and uh i want to get back to what's important in life so i hope that's a message for people out there remember what's important and uh, I, I called it quits. Yeah. Um, and we started concentrating back, or I started concentrating on Max's again, which I kind of had, you know, not been working for many years. And, I, you know, I had all these plans, all these changes I wanted right, to make. Right. I had a good friend came to work for me, you know, that they could help me develop a lot of the things that I wanted. And it was going to be a new dawn for Max's. Right. And then COVID came. Oh, gosh. So, you know, uh, yeah, I got to do a whole lot of new things. Not what I had planned to, but, you know, it's... uh uh, we we have to roll with the punches. Right. Yeah. I feel like you've tapped into so much in terms of being an entrepreneur. And, you know, to have to do this during the pandemic, it was new for everybody. So I totally get it. There's no manual to it, right? As you referenced earlier. No. Yeah. <laughs> and But it sounds like um, your community here, it's like you guys lean on one another. Like, I know we just had lunch from your buddy that used to work here yes thank you drew from the smoking swine with the second best pulled pork okay it was damn good drew really good and the mac and cheese it was so good yeah Yeah. you do it right buddy so thank you folks if you're listening to this on hanover street go over and see drew uh i think we'll post it on his address and and you can go uh definitely put a link to his website and folks you can check it out in fact, uh, there, there's a challenge for you. You come to Drew, go to Drew's, have his, and then come on over here, have mine, and you can post which is better. And <laughs> that will make it, you know, that, that, that's the way it's going to go. And yes. uh, we can find out. And uh, whoever wins, um, I'll buy you lunch, Drew, if you, if you beat me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll make you eat my food. <laughs> In fact, I'll cook it. That'll be really scary. But I know I find it so amazing, though, that you um, connect with the community, even competitors, which you don't really see as competitors. I mean, those are guys that you've been working with for a, a long time, right? So I, I think Drew didn't. Well, Drew, you're not here, but Drew, I think you worked for me at one time. It was probably <laughs> no. Drew, Drew worked for us at one time and uh, great guy, special yeah, guy, because yeah. everybody that works for us is special people. 
Yeah, I know. Oh, that's great. We, that is one thing, you know, I got to say, I have, I, I am blessed with truly a great staff, and, and that's what makes Max's what it is. Yeah. You know, it's, all, it's always been. It's our staff. And what's the one piece of advice that you would give to those who want to start something that you've created? I, I mean, I know you've tapped into the concert venue, you've tapped into the tap room, um, but what's the one piece of advice? I got to tell you, I've done a lot of things and, and some of them have failed and some of them I could have done better. And, but I never stopped trying, you know, it was like, you know, I've, uh, I've been rich and I've been poor and, uh, you know, you just got to keep going and you just got to remember what, what to remind yourself of what your passions are right? and, and don't lose sight of that dream. There was many times where, you know, I, I think I was three years in business and uh, I was sitting um, in my office uh, talking to a friend and um, her name was Janet. And I said, uh, I was just, mo- I can say bitching, right? This is the internet. Yeah. This is the internet. Go I was, ahead. I was just bitching about how <laughs> tough business was. And she's like, you idiot. You know, you've been here three years and you're still here. Most businesses don't even make it through the first year. It's true. You know, so, uh, you know, stop your whining, you know, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but I realized, you know, that's, you know, it's a big deal to you right. know, just, just survive. And, and you know what? And if you don't, you just do it again, right. try it again, you yeah. know, and don't give up because yeah. you'll all regret is the worst thing. Oh yeah. So definitely, you know, it's, uh. It's important, and that's uh, that's that's there's the advice. You know? I love it. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I think um, thank you so much for everything. You're I'm welcome. so glad to you. be here and got to see this lovely tap house, and um, I can't wait to show everybody else. And and yeah, I can't wait for the slideshow. <laughs> <laughs> I I also. Uh, I I did uh, when I was in the music business. I was also doing some outs- outdoor concerts and oh uh, really? Um, which uh, I think you took a picture of the poster upstairs where we did. Uh, I did some outside concerts, but I also managed an act that got signed to Warner Brothers. And, really? Uh, uh, called the Greenberry Woods, and uh, you know, so that was you know, it was just one more hat that I got to wear. Oh my in, gosh! In growing up. Uh, that is and crazy. I and I did run for mayor once. What? Yeah, yeah. What year was this? Um, <laughs> it was uh, right before Martin O'Malley decided to run for mayor. Oh. And uh, I announced my campaign on April first. Ron Max Furman, a citizen, not a politician. And I had my picture with the American flag in the background and. Uh, Anthony McCarthy, who was the editor at the time of the Afro-American, was my campaign manager. And uh, Bruce Mariano, who's a lawyer and publicist, who I think uh, was under house arrest at the time wow. <laughs> for something, was my finance manager. It was April 1st, of course. <laughs> so it was a one-day campaign. Uh, but I had fun with it. That's uh, great. And, uh, oh, and the year before, I had opened up Maxine's Show Bar. Oh. Yes, on the third floor. Is this the belly dancing thing? No, this was a strip bar on the third floor. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. And I opened that on April 1st. 
Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. We'll have a maybe we'll have an April fir- Fool's joke for you next year. Yes. Yeah, I haven't done one in many years, uh, <laughs> and there's been a f- few others in between, but. Uh, yeah, we need a big one this time. <laughs> okay, touch on the belly dancing thing, because now everyone's probably like, what? What's belly well, dancing? Well, originally, this was the Acropolis in Fells Point, right. and there was belly dancing here. Wow. Um, back in the 60s and maybe early 70s, I guess. Right. Um, I forgot what year they stopped doing it. But, uh, right. you know, this this building's still been through a lot of transitions yeah. over the years. Wow. And, um, yeah, there was, um, in fact, way back this was three different buildings so three different businesses so i could see that because it's a very big building so yeah yeah wow well thank you thank you for tuning in to makers of the usa maryland series and thank you to ron for being on the podcast if you'd like to learn more about max's tap house i will include more information in the notes section of the podcast also please follow the makers of the usa on instagram and facebook if you'd like to see visuals of these wonderful makers that are part of this series if you've enjoyed this podcast series thus far, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. Now for our future musician is Freddie Wong. Freddie and his band actually performed in my wedding um, in Annapolis. Um, great great band. I actually met the band at Secrets in Ocean City, sitting there with the palm trees, um, eating some free popcorn, sipping on a fun drink. And all of a sudden, I heard these guys and they played Ghostbusters. And I was like, done, ready to perform at my wedding. (laughs) It's the best feeling. Ready, you are awesome. Um, So this is a single blanket. I will link his website and social media handles in the notes section as well. Thank you all again and stay safe and healthy. Never